Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right. Well, good morning, Community of Hope. How are we doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. If you're new with us here today, or maybe you're new and streaming with us online, wherever you're at, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Church Online, whatever it is, uh, my name is Trevor. Do we hear that? Is it me? Hold that thought. Okay, testing, testing. Am I on? There we go. Let's try that again. Hope you can hear me. Cool. Hey, so I'm Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope. We're delighted to be here with you today. Welcome to everybody here at the West Campus out in Loxahatchee. Hey, and for those of you who might not know, for those who might not know online, thank God for things like the vaccine that's rolling out. We have several couples who are here today for their first time back in a year. Isn't that awesome? So welcome home. Welcome home to all of you who are, who are back, and it's now safe. We're so glad for you to be here for that. I want to say welcome to everybody who's streaming with us online. We're glad that you've joined us here today. Make sure you say hi in the chat and be talking all throughout whatever might be helpful to you. We're glad you're here today, too. Also, just so everybody knows, this is also going to be live at the East Campus today. So let's wave to our friends at the East Campus and welcome them. What's up, East Campus? East Campus, what's up? Go ahead and say woot. All right. Great. Well, you're not at the East Campus. Hello. You're in Loxahatchee. Well, welcome to have all of you here to get here today, too. Glad you guys are with us. Hey, and today's a special day in church. No, Dale and I did not mess up our schedules. Oh, no. Who's supposed to be at East? Uh, we are both here in the room today. Dale had the weekend off from preaching because I want all of you to be praying for him. This week, I think it's Tuesday? Tuesday, we're going to be recording our message for our on-demand Easter service. And Dale's going to be preaching that, so he's been getting ready for Easter all week long, he's going to be ready to drop it on Tuesday. Would you commit to put a reminder on your phone and pray for Dale on Tuesday? Yes? Thank you to the five people who are going to pray for Dale. Are you going to pray for Dale on Tuesday? Yes. Awesome. Great. Very good. All righty. Well, we, again, we're pumped to be here with you guys today. If you haven't yet, go ahead and open up your app, or your COH app for your sermon notes, and we're going to jump right on in. I want to talk to you all today about one of my favorite movies and one of the best movies, in my humble opinion, that has ever been made. I'm talking like Gone with the Wind and Casablanca and Godfather, all those great movies. My own personal favorites, which are Braveheart, you know, good Scottish movie with swords and fighting. Ooh, yeah, it's good. Uh, I love the Matrix trilogy. I love the Dark Knight trilogy. I love every single movie almost in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Don't watch the Hulk. It's a waste of time. (laughs) If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, I want want to talk to you about one of my favorite movies ever. In fact, we actually put up a post on Instagram. I didn't do this. It's just our comms department did this. It's perfect. And we asked everybody, what was your favorite movie? And reply only in emojis to see if we could guess. And our own worship leader, Verona, who's leading worship today at the East Campus, replied with her favorite movie in emojis right there. Can you figure it out? Cars. Cars. That's right. How cool is that? I want to talk to you this morning about the movie Cars. That's right. I'm seven years old, and um, I love Disney Pixar Cars. 
Now, uh, I have watched this movie probably close to a hundred times, if not more, between the years 2015 and 2016. This is the only thing my son Cade wanted to watch when he was three and four years old. I see lots of parents and grandparents nodding their heads. Now, the good thing is when you're a parent, you can, you know, you're going to watch kids stuff over and over and over again. And if you're a smart parent, you just make sure you pick the good stuff to watch over and over and over again. I never got tired of watching Cars, never, ever, not once, because it's a great movie. It never got old on me. I loved watching it with my little guy. If you've never seen Cars, or it's been a little bit, let me recap for you the movie. The red car right there, his name is Lightning McQueen. Everybody say that. There you go. Lightning McQueen is the fastest car in the world. He's a rookie, and he's arrogant and selfish, And he will do anything to win, and he will win at any cost. And because of his arrogance and his selfishness, he has no friends, he has no crew, nobody wants to work with him, he's isolated, and he's alone. Long story short, Lightning McQueen learns about humility. He meets Larry the Cable Guy along the way and learns how to put others first. (laughs) There it is. So the movie climaxes with this final race for the Piston Cup. And he is about to win. He's going to achieve his lifelong dream. And he sees out of the corner of his eye, uh, uh, just a revered race car who's in his last race, have a horrible accident. And compassion rises up in Lightning McQueen's heart. And he stops right before the finish line. And he lets somebody else win. Now what's amazing is that Lightning McQueen then, in this final climatic scene, puts his car in reverse. And goes back and goes behind the car that had the wreck. Here's a picture of it. He goes behind the car that had a wreck. And Lightning McQueen pushes the other car across the finish line for somebody else to win. And for him to come in last place. He came in last place, but he ends up winning the hearts of the whole world. I mean, this movie, it's good. It's good. Come on. It's awesome. It is beautiful. It's inspiring. The characters are at the, at the end of the movie. They're crying. I'm sitting next to Cade. I'm crying. <laughs> Cade's sitting next to me, and he looks at me. He's like, Daddy, I think you need to go outside for a minute, and I probably <laughs> agree with him. This movie is awesome. Here's what I want to tell you today. Pixar makes movies like cars, and you and I enjoy movies like cars because of Jesus. Now, that's not some lame preacher thing. Let me explain to you. We started our series last week. We're calling this Descending into Greatness. And we're talking about the value of humility. And we're learning about the life of Jesus. And we're using this in the season of Lent to prepare our hearts for Easter. Just like athletes prepare for games and competition. And musicians prepare for performances. Followers of Jesus prepare for Easter, and by prepare for Easter, I don't mean having a peep-eating contest, okay? I mean, we're pre- I saw a fist go up in the air back there. What I'm talking about is spiritually preparing your hearts over these several weeks, over these 40 days, not counting Sundays, to get ready to celebrate the most important day of the entire year if you're a follower of Jesus and the day that changed world history, the day when Jesus walked out of a grave. Now... We believe this. We love this. Here's what we talked about last week. We learned, and Pastor Dale did an awesome job with this. We talked about it at the East Campus, that we learned that humility was not always a virtue in Western civilization. In a Greco-Roman culture back 2,000 years ago, what they valued was greatness and power and honor. And that is until Jesus came along. 
and he changed everything. And we learned that it wasn't necessarily Jesus' teachings that changed everything, even though they're good. And it's not just Jesus' persona that changed everything, even though he's wonderful. It was actually Jesus' execution. It was his crucifixion that changed the entire world because of how his followers interpreted his death and how they wrote about it and how they processed it. And between 33 AD, when Jesus was nailed to a Roman cross and executed by the government in capital punishment, between 33 AD and 62 AD, when the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the church of Philippi, Philippians, which is what we're going to be studying, what historians will say, secular historians, not religious historians, not even Christian historians, what historians say is that because of the death of Jesus and because of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and how it worked its way through the whole Roman world, Western civilization began to despise people who saw greatness and power and honor for themselves and began to admire people who lowered themselves in service of others and gave their life on behalf of others, or to put it in Light McQueen terms, who push others across the finish line. It changed Everything. So if you love humility, even if you're not a Christ follower yet, maybe you're online, you're a seeker, maybe you did church for a while and you got burnt by somebody or something and you're back for the first time. If you love humility, it's because of Jesus. It's because of him. In fact, this is where we're going today. We're going to be taking a deeper dig now. We're really going to hone in on our passage of scripture in this Lent series. We're going to be reading Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 through 11. Now, I want you to watch something, okay? Many people think the shape of Christianity is a cross. I'm here to tell you today that even though the cross is a wonderful symbol of Christianity, instead of a cross, what Philippians 2 is telling us is that maybe it's a V is the shape of Christianity. Watch me as I read this. Verse 5. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Follow me. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross the lowest place. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and on heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is our passage for today. Oh, get fired up. So last week, we talked about why. This week, our message is called, Who? Who? Would you pray with me? Lord, we've had so much of our morning already filled with prayers, seeking your presence, inviting your presence, acknowledging your presence. We know you're here. And now we open ourselves to hear from you. Lord, no one came here to hear religious TED talk. They came to hear your voice and your word. We open ourselves now to hear you. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, 
Would you feed your people with your word? And would you fill us with your spirit today? And all God's people said, amen. Okay, let's talk for a minute about what we just read with Philippians 2. Um, The passage is known as the Carmen Christi. Carmen Christi, which um, is translated in English, the Song of Christ. Everything we just read, 5 through 11. Now, uh, Paul wrote verse 5. But if you look in your Bibles, you can see 6 through 11 is formatted a little bit differently. It's because it's a poem and it's a hymn. It's ancient song lyrics that Paul didn't write. Paul was quoting a commonly known song that was sung amongst uh, the first followers of Jesus. And interestingly, believe it or not, even though Philippians was wrote, uh, written in 62 AD, scholars believe that the Carmen Christi, the Song of Christ, 6 through 11, was written in the late 30s AD. This is very important. It is written in the late 30s AD. I'm going to tell you why that really, really matters. And this is huge. And we're going to come back to it in just a little bit, but put an anchor there. You with me? Okay. So very, very important. So the verse we're honing in on for the Carmen Christi, for the song of Christ, we're going to begin. We're going to just going to go step by step by step through this, through Lent. Is Philippians 2, verse 6, and the first phrase in verse 6, and it begins like this. Jesus, who, being in very nature God, who, being in very nature God. And this is our first stop for our series. We're going to talk for a few moments this morning about who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? And according to the scriptures, according to Christian tradition, We believe that Jesus is God. That's what it's saying, that he in very nature is God. Not was God, is God. Is God. Just like uh, the ancient creed in Christianity, the Nicene Creed says, we believe that Jesus was eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made. Now, this is a wild claim. The Christians make like this is crazy pill talk. Okay, if you just shake yourself around, wait, what are we talking about? We're saying that a person was God. That's crazy. Can we just own that in the room? Right? It's okay. I'm the pastor's telling you to own that. That's a little crazy. It's kind of, are we allowed to agree with him? Yes, I want you to agree with me. It is a little crazy. It's a little nuts to believe that a human being is God. In fact, we all know that if somebody claims to be God. They're either a cult leader or a con artist, or both. And yet here are Christians going, yep, for sure, we all believe that Jesus is God. So why is this identity even given to him? Why does this even carry intellectual weight? And why believe this is true? More importantly, why does it even matter to you in your life why Jesus is God? And I'm going to give you advance notice here for the next five or ten minutes I'm going to dump a Mack truck of scriptures on you, okay? They're all in the sermon notes, but just follow along. Good? Cool. All right. So let's talk about this. Why in the world do Christians even believe that Jesus was in very nature God, that he is God? Well, to start, the whole New Testament testifies to the idea that Jesus is divine. So check this out. In 2 Peter, so this is Jesus' follower, Peter, chapter 1, verse 1, where he said, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received 
a faith as precious as ours. Look at this. He calls our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter is calling Jesus God. The Apostle Paul wrote to his apprentice Titus, and he said in 2.13, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, the first followers of Jesus in the New Testament are clearly attributing divine attributes and calling Jesus God. But if you're a critic and you question this stuff, like which, by the way, you don't have to check your brain off when you go into church. Questions are good. People ask questions like, well, couldn't his followers have invented this? Like, couldn't they have gotten themselves up into a frenzy and just said, well, he must have been God. We loved him that much. Well, maybe, except for if you look at the words of Jesus himself. Check this out. So in the Gospel of John, it's written by Jesus' best friend. Uh, it emphatically claims that Jesus is God. Nabil Qureshi, uh, the late apologist, talked about this with the Gospel of John. In this book, Jesus claims that he had always existed. Jesus claimed he was the very means of creation, that he was worthy of honor due only to God, that he asked people to put faith in him, that he enabled salvation, that he was the earthly manifestation of God, that he was king of another world, and that he even pre-existed Abraham. And then John climaxes here with this passage. When Thomas, in chapter, John chapter 20, 20 and 29, Thomas said to Jesus, My Lord and my God, And then Jesus said back to him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So somebody talks to Jesus, says, my God, and Jesus doesn't correct him. He receives that. Okay? He totally believes that he is divine. Again, could be a cult leader, could be a carn artist. He's absolutely believing it. And he's receiving it. Well, then some critics say, well, John, if you study it, was written decades after the life of Jesus. So that could have been a fabrication too. All right, so let's rewind the tape a little bit more. Let's look at the Gospel of Mark, which is the oldest and earliest and first written gospel. And Mark, Jesus forgives somebody of their sins, something that only God can do. And all these people get totally ticked at Jesus. Say, how can you forgive somebody's sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus doesn't correct them. He just does it. At the end of the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 and 62, while Jesus is being put on trial, one of the high priests asked him, verse 61, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? In verse 62, I am, said Jesus. If you're with us online, type in I am in the comments. I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, in English, he's like, yeah, I am. We read that like, yeah, I am. If you were an ancient Israelite, if you're a Hebrew, if you're a Jewish person, and somebody says, are you the son of God, therefore making yourself equal with God? And he goes, I am. Hello, that's how God introduced himself to Moses. When Moses asked the Lord, Lord, who are you? God said, I am who I am. And for people to look at Jesus and go, are you the son of God? And he goes, I am. Pandemonium broke out. A WWE match happened. It was crazy. (laughs) Because he was claiming to be God. Now, even then, critics will say to that, maybe they weren't telling the truth. Now, we believe it's totally true. We believe everywhere the New Testament is inspired by God. But critics will, yeah, but what was said even before that? Maybe that happened between decades after his death. Okay. 
So let's rewind one last time. The earliest piece of writing the followers of Jesus created in the first century was the Song of Christ. In less than 10 years between the death and resurrection of Jesus, less than 10 years, not even a decade, followers of Jesus wrote a song where the first line of it was Jesus who, being in very nature God. Wow. Now, what's true is just because somebody writes a song about it doesn't make it true, right? Uh, just because some rappers and Little John made a remix of a song and put it out in Tampa of how the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl doesn't mean the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, wait, we totally crushed the Chiefs. Hmm. Wait, no, this is a bad example. I shouldn't use that. Like, just because somebody writes a song about it doesn't make it true, right? Right? I know, you guys just get ready for Super Bowl jokes all year long. Just brace yourself for it. Just because somebody writes a song about it doesn't mean it's true. But here's why they wrote songs like this. Because they believed that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was a friend of sinners, who took care of the poor, who healed the sick miraculously, who displayed unbelievable signs of power and then predicted and told everybody that he was going to die on a cross and three days later would rise from the dead. And then he did it. The first Christians didn't have the New Testament. The first Christians had an event. Christianity isn't a book-based religion, even though we love the Bible and base our faith off of it. Christianity is an event-based religion. That there is a tomb that is empty, and Jesus was dead, and now he's alive, and everything he ever said was true, including everything he said about himself. Jesus is not a con man. Jesus is not a cult leader. Jesus is the Christ. Now, here's where this gets tricky. We don't just come in here and read verse 6, and we should all come in here and high-five each other. Jesus is God. Let's go get brunch. (laughs) I really got everybody. Because that's not the point of the passage. Remember how it starts in verse 5. Put it on the screen, would you, everybody? Philippians 2, 5. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as him. And then it goes on to say, who in very nature was God. Now, here's where this is problematic. Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you do that? How do you have the same mindset as Jesus Christ? Am I trying to say that we should all walk around believing that we're God incarnate? No. Because if we did that, then congratulations, we're all the cult leaders now, right? Right? So what is it? How do you have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who in his own mindset believed he was God in human nature? How do you do that? And is that even the point? And I'm here to tell you today, that's not the point. And I want to leave you one principle today that will help you have the same mindset as Jesus Christ and how to apply it. Um, Yesterday was an awesome day here at our church because we had our men's barbecue. Where's my men at? Yeah, it was awesome. 
It was so fun. If you missed it, man, come on out to the next men's stuff that we do. It was a total blast. Um, I brought my son, Cade. We threw the football. We ate barbecue. We saw awesome cars. There was an axe throwing, uh, not necessarily context, but it was an axe throwing area. Super fun. And let me tell you, my kid had the best shot of all the dudes yesterday. Look at this. Check this out. Look at that, right? What a stud. He had like better than every other grown man. It was crazy. And so there's him and here's me bragging with him about how awesome his shot was. It was so great. I'm super duper proud of him. Now, uh, now nowhere near as good as Cade's shot. Um, I too threw an ax and I sunk one of the axes too. Now I didn't hit anywhere near the middle, but I got it. And if you just got it to stick, oh, it was awesome. I was one of the first guys yesterday to get my axe to stick. And let me tell you, there's a little bit of trash talking. And it was awesome, right? It was a lot of fun. So I got thirsty. I went to go get a cup of lemonade. And there were several wonderful ladies who were helping serve and put out food for our guys. So our guys could be together and build relationships. So if you're one of the ladies, thank you so much for serving. However, while I was getting some of the drinks, one of the ladies uh, went over to me and said, Pastor Trevor, I saw you throwing axes. I'm like, oh, did you? <laughs> and... I kid you not, not one ladies, not two ladies, three ladies said this to me in one short period of time. They said, yeah, Pastor Trevor, you're not very humble. Oh, what? I'm like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? Pastor Trevor, we heard you all the way over here yelling at all the guys all the way over there about how awesome you are. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then they went on, and then we looked, and you had your arms out, and you were shaking your head at all of the guys, like, oh, gosh. Okay, okay. I I put on sackcloth and ashes, I repent. And so, like, we can all work on our humility, me included, right? Me included, we can work on our humility, right? This is what the passage is, and this is what Paul's trying to get at. Have the same mindset, the humble mindset of Christ. And here's where being in very nature God matters. Here's where it matters. Um, Because you can't be humble if you don't know who you actually are. Danielle Strickland, who's a phenomenal preacher, phenomenal preacher in our world, she said this on a video that Jessica Stafford, Stafford sent to some of her staff members this week. She said this, that humility is agreeing with God about who I am. Humility is agreeing with God about who I am. Jesus understood who he was, even though he was fully human and fully God. He, by faith, understood and learned to believe that he was actually the Son of God, and he grew in his agreement with the Father. Jesus agreed with the Father that he was the Son and empowered his descent. See, humility begins with dignity, everybody. You can't learn to be humble without your own sense of dignity. You can't lower yourself in service to others without it. Jesus knew who he really was. And do you know who you really are? And our journey in humility and your journey in humility begins by coming into agreement with God about who you are. So I have some final thoughts for us that matter to you about humility 
And if you don't know who you are, here are just some basic thoughts for you to know, to come into agreement with God. So who, who am I? Who I am? You are loved. Wait, let me take it back. Who I am? You are first. You are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God, which makes you different from all other life. Only humans are made in God's image, and that means you have infinite worth and value to God. Do you struggle with your own sense of worth? Do you struggle with feeling worthless sometimes? Do you struggle with feeling valuable sometimes? God has put a piece of himself in you. When God looks at you, he sees himself. He sees a child of his. And so the first place for some of you to come into agreement with God about who you are is to come into agreement with him that I am worth something because I'm made in your image. For some of you, that's your first step in humility. For others of you, it's not just learning that I am created in the image of God, but it's learning that I am not God. (laughs) Some people struggle with a sense of self-worth. And some people have a little bit too much (laughs) where arrogance and pride comes in. And we are our own authority. And we make our own rules. And we play by our own rules. And we are the boss of ourselves. Nobody can be in charge of us. Only us. We make our own morality. We submit to no one or nothing. And we are in charge of everything. And what you need to come into agreement with God about today is that there is only one person who is perfect. There's only one person who is holy. There's only one person who is not broken. The one person who is ever, ever, who is not flawed, who has ever made a mistake. And that is Jesus. And you are not him. And neither am I. And so what we need to come into agreement with God on is you're the boss, not me. And I need you. I'm in need of you, God. I'm in spiritual poverty. I'm not you, and I need you, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, and your love. I'm not God, and you are, and I need you. You are created in the image of God. You are not God. And here's the last one. We got good news, bad news, good news. Here's the good news. I'm loved by God. Um, I'd like to invite the team up. And I am loved by God. Now, friends, here's the beautiful thing about it. We're all made in God's image, and then we all messed it up through sin and our own brokenness, what the world has done to us and what we've done to the world. And amidst all of this, Paul wrote this in Romans 5, 8. Watch this on the screen. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That's when Jesus chose to die for us, and it proves that God loves you. And for some of you, this is where humility begins today, is to learn to come into agreement with God that you are deeply loved by him because he laid his life down for you. Earlier this week, I was doing my regular journaling that we talk about in our church a lot. And I felt like God's spirit interrupted me. Kind of like we interrupt your regularly scheduled broadcast to bring you this special message. 
had nothing to do with what I was reading. He started talking to me about this moment right here, right now. And I felt like God put on my heart to say to somebody here today, as we're talking about Jesus' descent into greatness, going from being a very nature God at the right hand of the Father to a cross, dying, beaten, bruised, and naked. And he asked me, Trevor, do you know why I went to the lowest place? Why, Lord? And I just felt Jesus put on my heart for somebody here today, maybe online, I don't know. I felt him say to me, I went to the lowest place because you were there. Jesus went to the lowest place because that's where we all need him. And there's somebody here in this room or somebody online or at the East Campus. And I just have from the bottom of my heart want to tell you today that if you were in your lowest place today, if you are depressed, if you got a bad diagnosis if somebody in your life is dying or you're having the death of a dream and you are in your rock bottom and in your lowest place, Jesus has come to meet you because he loves you. And even though he was a very nature God at the right hand of the Father, he has come to the absolute lowest place to wrap his arms around you, to pour grace and mercy into your life, to heal your broken heart and give you hope and a dream and a future. If you'd reach out in faith for him, Right now, he will meet you because he loves you. Come into agreement with God today. You're created in his image. You need him. And oh, does he love you? This is how a descent into greatness begins. Would you pray with me? So Lord, we... Lord, in this moment right now, we thank you, Jesus. You are God in human flesh. You are in very nature God. You're God with skin on. Thank you, Lord. And we pray now that you would help us to have the same mindset as you, that we would know who we really are so that we would be able to serve others out of a place of dignity. Lord, we turn from thoughts that... Uh, where we just condemn ourselves as worthless, we repent of those thoughts because we're made in your image. Lord, we repent of thoughts that are rebellious and arrogant and prideful because we're not you and we need you. And Lord, we reach out for you because you've reached out first in love to us and you came to our lowest place. It doesn't matter if we're 70 or if we're in middle school. You've come to our low place in your love. Pour out your love in this moment now. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So friends, if you're ready to take your next step in your spiritual journey, maybe if you're ready to become a follower of this Jesus, maybe you want to recommit your life to him, maybe get more involved in our church, whatever it is, just text next to the number on your screen, or you can go to communityofhope.church slash next. Help us help you take your next step in your spiritual journey. But otherwise, friends and everybody online, would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in God's name. Go in his peace. Go in his grace. We'll see you next week.